You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Youths Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's a Wednesday. We're in the middle of the week. We're hoping that you didn't get blown away in the middle of the night as things are definitely blustery here in the Valley of Salt and Granite, Salt Lake City, Utah. But we also didn't get blown away by the announcement from Timmy Allen that he's headed to Texas. We're going to talk about why that's a good move for Timmy and why it's also a good move for the University of Utah men's basketball program. Also, the red and white game is coming up on Saturday. We're going to give you the top five players to watch, according to us here on the Locked on Utes podcast, on the offensive and defensive sides of the football and fill you in on any details surrounding the other Utah uh, athletics and competition. Volleyball has made it to Omaha. Utah baseball faced off against BYU. All the above and everything else that you could imagine, plus plenty of Bill Bar talk, I'm sure, coming up next year on the Locked on Utes podcast for April 14th. 2021. Thank you for joining me today on the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Brought to you by Built Bar and BetOnline.ag. It is a great day to be a Ute. Thank you for joining me, my Utah friends and family. I am Brian Brown, your co-host, getting things kicked off for you. I hope that your week's going as well as possible. It's been a little crazy here in Utah with all the wind going on, and understandably so. Timmy Allen is elected to vacate the state because of that wind. No, that's not the truth. Timmy Allen announced on his Instagram and his Twitter page that he was transferring to the University of Texas. Texas, having freshly hired Chris Beard, looks to be building a very strong program. And the addition of Timmy Allen is a tremendous addition for the Longhorns. I saw on a Texas message board, uh, poster said, Finally, we get something back from Utah. And that kind of does seem to fit the bill in terms of what's happened recently in terms of Utah managing to pull Van Fillinger away from Texas, pulling Ty Jordan away from Texas, that Texas finally got one back on Utah. And I think it's a great fit for Timmy Allen. He's going to a program that will be recreating, I think, a little bit under Chris Beard, who I think has proven that he is an excellent head coach. And he will have the opportunity to have a positive impact without having to carry the full burden of doing everything for that Texas squad. I think he'll be able to operate a little bit better within the offense as the Texas team will likely have better shooting, and it won't all depend on Allen uh, to get the scoring done. His mid-range game is strong. His outside shooting is not but he'll be able to fill in the gaps with his hustle plays, with his defense, with his rebounding. And the fact that he is so versatile allows Texas to use him in a variety of ways, a variety of methods. And so I think it's a great fit for Timmy Allen. But this isn't a Texas podcast. This is a Utah podcast. And the bottom line was that Allen had been through three worth saying brutal years here at the University of Utah where they had just not found the success that I think anybody was really hoping to find. And he was constantly enshrouded in transfer talk and discussions about letting go of your head coach. And 
you know, what, what more to expect from Timmy Allen and, and when is he going to step up? And there was a lot of negativity surrounding the program for the last few years. And understandably so fans were frustrated. They'd had enough. They were ready. I think most Utah fans were ready for a move to have been made two or three years ago. Uh, that is what it is. Uh, the time travel effect is just not going to be able to, uh, uh, go into action as we learned from Avengers Endgame, like we all thought it would. It'll create an entirely separate timeline. And the last thing we need is two separate timelines uh, for me to try and deal with here on this podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and veto the whole idea of going back in time and making those decisions right now. But for Timmy Allen, it was definitely time to leave the University of Utah. And I don't think that means that he was ungrateful for his time here or for the impact of the coaching staff or his teammates or anything like that. It just, there comes a time where you hit your breaking point in terms of how much you have to deal with. And I think for both Timmy Allen and for the new incoming staff, it was worth not carrying over all that burden and negativity and whatever else Timmy might have been bringing over. And I'm not saying that he's a bad player or a bad culture fit by any stretch at all, but just memories, emotions, uh, difficulties that you've had, they, they, carry over with you and especially at that that young of an age i mean think for example the time that you've broken up with uh someone that you cared cared about like in a relationship and how long some of that stuff lasts i was always the kind of person who thought wow it'd be over them in a week and here i am you know 10 years down the road lamenting some of the decisions i made in breaks up breakups and and some of the uh relationships that i've had in the past so as being a middle-aged or close to middle-aged man, now cut that in half and, and try and weigh what the emotional ability of a player to do that is, it just brings a lot of difficulty into a new situation. You're dealing with a new coaching staff that's going to be doing everything differently, but it's the same place, the same walls, a lot of the same guys. And so if you're trying to fit all that new into the same old, maybe the best move is for you to just move on altogether. He's fallen into a great situation at Texas. I think uh, I know that Utah fans know his flaws incredibly well, but he was still a very high-priority transfer for a lot of programs, and I think he's ended up at likely the best spot where he can get a, con- a completely fresh start. He can really showcase his talents and either prove, for better or worse, what his NBA-level uh, abilities truly are. I think the Big 12 is a good basketball conference. I think it gets a lot of eyeballs on it simply because you have Kansas, you have Texas, you have Baylor bringing a national championship to the table. There are things that are going on at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Those are programs that have had success in the past. It is a good basketball conference. Not quite as good as the Pac-12 last year. Let's just be honest about that kind of thing. But it is a very good basketball conference. And I think for a change of scenery for Timmy, it's a great fit. I also think for the University of Utah, there was a big emphasis placed on trying to start over as much as possible with the program and the guys inside the program. I think coach Craig Smith has been incredibly clear that if you aren't all in, then they're going to move on from you and they're going to go find guys that are bought in. And they already have to a degree. I think uh, adding Gabe Madsen um, was a good pickup. Again, we've talked about this quite a bit that they've gone after guys that they clearly feel are, uh, their type of player in terms of knowing who they are and what kind of fit they are culturally. I think the, uh, the emphasis on on going after shooting has been pretty evident in terms of 
some of the guys that they've gone after with Madsen and David Jenkins. Uh, they're also guys that the coaching staff knows well. And they've, for the most part, maintained a lot of the guys that would be culturally strong fits in the program. I think Lahat Chun is a terrific example of a guy who needs a second chance. But under familiar surroundings, it's likely a good fit. Ryland Jones is another example of that. I think Ryland Jones is an extremely coachable guy. He is an excellent cultural fit. And I think that from the very first conversation that Coach Craig Smith had with them, he was intrigued and interested with what Coach Smith was laying out on the table. And that makes him a good fit. If there are guys who are wavering a little bit, we've heard some discussion about Mickey Yontanen, nothing official on that. But uh, if he's not all the way bought in, then the coaching staff needs to go get the guys who are. And I think from the initial and early conversations with Timmy Allen and Alfonso Plummer, they were ready to move on and the coaching staff wasn't going to push to keep him there because they need to start this thing off as positively as possible. One of the bigger impacting forces that coaches have infinitely tried to control and, and have never been able to do so is the impact of negativity and outside influences on your culture. The argument is that if your culture is strong enough, then it won't ever have an impact. But the problem is, is building an incredibly strong culture is incredibly difficult. It takes time and it is a very fragile process. I think we've seen that with the previous coaching staff where Larry Kruskoviak had things moving along well after DeLon Wright and uh, Jakob Hurdle. Kyle Kuzma, and then there are a few bad decisions and a few misses here and there really ate away at the culture of the program. And as Larry tried to restart it, uh, they, they simply ran out of time and, and were unable to get things really refined to a point to where they can move forward and, and build the program the way that they saw fit. And so while it's tough to see that kind of production move on, it's a great fit for Timmy. It's better for the University of Utah to find guys who are hungry to be here and hungry to play and hungry to prove themselves still than it is to bring back a guy who maybe has doubts or carries, uh, I don't think they're hard feelings by any stretch, but carries a lot of memories that were challenging and difficult. And so on that note, we'll wish Timmy Allen the best as he moves along and I, for one, will definitely be keeping an eye on him as he goes to Texas. That's a lie. I don't really watch college basketball outside of the University of Utah. But my hope is that he is successful and that he does get an opportunity to play at the next level. Whether it's the NBA or overseas, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I just have that kind of hope for all of those guys. And part of the reason that I'm a hopeful guy is because there are good things to enjoy in life like Bilt Bar that have given me hope. And Built Bar is, without a doubt, my favorite protein bar on the market. It is, you know, I've had a bit of a sweets craving lately, and it's been the perfect fit. I go for the chocolate chip or uh, the cookie dough chunk. You've heard me talk about the coconut brownie uh, crumble as well. Uh, there are lots of great flavors out there. Whatever your flavor profile or your desire is, Built Bar has one to match it. Most of them are under 200 calories. Most of them have up to 18 or 19 grams of protein. They are carb conscious, keto friendly, less than five grams of sugar. But you're all here because you know the truth. They just taste great. And so you can go get your next order of Built Bar from BuiltBar.com with a promo code LOCKED15 to give you 15% off your next purchase. Go to BuiltBar.com, LOCKED15. 
to get the world's best tasting protein bars and you and I can get healthy together as it should be. Switching gears for a moment to the football side of things here at the University of Utah, wanted to highlight a good friend of mine, Cole Bagley, writer extraordinaire, podcaster. He is a triple threat, maybe even a five-tool media member, writes for UteZone.com, works at the Daily Utah Chronicle, covers everything it feels like, has podcasts galore. I can't even keep track of everything that Cole does, but I can for sure read his articles over at UteZone.com, and he wrote two articles over the past week that I kind of stealing his idea a little bit, but also trying to promote it because he did such a good job of it. He wrote about previewing the 2021 spring game players to watch on offense to pick five players that he thought uh, fans should want to watch on offense. The five that he chose are Jalen Dixon, Devon Vele, Dalton Kincaid, Chris Curry, TJ Pledger, Makai Bernard, AKA the RBs. And number one was Charlie Brewer. And I think it's a pretty solid list right there. Some some pretty evident names. And, and you'll, you can go read the article and he'll give you a little bit of an idea of, of why it's important to him. But I figured I'd give you my top five players that I want to watch as I'm getting ready for the spring game. And, and obviously, these are guys that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Wanted to get my eyes on them and see where they really at so that I can give a fair evaluation on my end of things rather than just having to take uh, everyone else's word for it. But my list is probably a little bit different than Cole's. Uh, he's definitely isolated the, the players that are going to have the most impact going into the fall. Uh, so I'm going to kind of take it a little bit of a different direction. And, and I want to see some guys that I want to really learn about in terms of how good is their good and how good can they be truly down the road. So we'll start off with number five. It's Money Parks. Money Parks, wide receiver out of Texas, a uh, very highly regarded recruit, three-star, was the star of the show in, I believe it was 6A, uh, Texas State Championship game where he was just absolutely dynamite in that game. But it was a continuation of everything that he'd done up until that point. Um, And so Money Parks... uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that I'm very excited to see. Kyle Whittingham mentioned him as a guy that's done some good things at the University of Utah. Uh, he was probably on the cusp of being that fourth and fifth wide receiver uh, in terms of the wide receiver depth. But the biggest question I have about Money Parks is how much of the weight can he carry if someone like Britton Covey goes down? Can Parks be that multidimensional player, or will they need to use TJ Pledger more in that role? Will they need to put Makai Bernard more in that role? Uh, how much of the role that Britton Covey plays in the offense can be used uh, by the young freshman wide receiver from Alito, Texas? Moving on to number four, it's Bam Oliseni. Uh The British Invasion has had a few mentions throughout spring ball about his improvement. I've talked to a few people as well that have been very positively encouraged by Bam's play. And I think the biggest thing for him is that it's learning to play at the Division I level in terms of speed. You can be the biggest guy on the field. You can have good technique. You can know what's going on, but you have to play at the speed that everyone else is playing at. And sometimes if you don't know what's going on, that can slow you down. Uh, Sometimes it can be a factor of just not knowing how to get yourself to that level. 
I know for me as a player, I really struggled to get my feet to engage at a quicker rate. And it's not so much about the physical limitations as it is how you picture yourself in your mind's eye when you're playing. And and it was a very lengthy process for me of watching film, practicing, repping it out, learning to generate my own tempo as a player. Because up until the college level, I really hadn't had a ton of challenges to my game. I, I, even in high school, for the most part, I was one of the top-tier uh, linemen on my team. It just so happened that the uh, two guys in front of me at my position both were college All-Americans and both ended up playing in the NFL. And so that you know, just kind of put a, a damper on my play in, college, in high school. But it also led me to pursue a really great opportunity in college where I walked on at Snow College and had an excellent experience there. But it, it drew a lot out of me and made me progress a lot more going from being a, essentially a high school uh, interchangeable piece to being you know on, on a scout team my first year at Snow College. I think the same thing is true with Bam. I think he's finally gotten an idea of how he has to play football, how he has to use his side, his strength, his speed, everything like that. It's become a lot more comfortable for him, and he's been able to put the work in because he has confidence in his play. That's something that I think we underestimate as as fans. We just think that they're being lazy. But the simple fact is is that when you're not confident in your play and you're getting your butt kicked every single time, it's really hard to play fast and confident and free like we see somebody like Devin Lloyd play. You know That's the benefit of being athletically uh, superior and also having the confidence of knowing what you're doing and experience on your side. So really excited to see what Bam Willis and he's able to do. Number three on my list is Kane Savage. And a lot of that is because Savage was a highly, uh, highly regarded recruit out of California. Came to Utah uh, with the expectation that he was going to be playing on the defensive side of the football. I want to see how good he is on offense. I've seen him in high school. I know what he's able to do. He is superior athletically to most high school athletes. And so a lot of what he was able to do on offense is based because of that. I want to see his progress. I want to see where he's coming at and, and what really his his true ceiling is, how his athleticism faces up against those athletic DBs on the opposite side of the football. Number two, Solomon Enos. And and Enos has probably been the one that's been the least talked about, but might be the most critical because we kind of know what he is. But we also kind of need to see him take a big step in terms of being uh, above and beyond just a possession receiver that catches everything. Can you be a game breaker? Can you do and make plays that really push this offense to the next level? Can you refine your technique to the point to where you are getting past defenders on a regular basis? And can you use your physical size to your uh, to your ability uh, regularly as well? Number one on my list, Cole and I share the same one. It's Charlie Brewer. And I don't think that there's really too many arguments against number one here other than Brewer. He's just, we've heard so much about him where I think we're all excited to see what he can do. But he is such a critical piece to the offense moving forward. And I just, I want to see how how Charlie Brewer looks in an Andy Ludwig system, how he deals with the differences between running the, uh, the the offense the way that Ludwig runs the ball compared or runs the offense compared to what he experienced under Matt Rule and Dave Aranda at Baylor. And I want to see how he does in a game situation 
against that Utah defense. And, and despite the fact that they're his teammates, that is still a very noisy, aggressive Utah defense. And when I was at practice, I would get those kind of the, the, the spine tingling on the back of my neck and whatnot, where my hairs would stand up on an end because they would be hooting and hollering and making noise and talking and everything like that. And and even though it was a Utah football team, the, the offensive player inside of me still wanted to just go knock them all down in the dirt and, and pancake every last one of them if I could and, and run the score up on them because that's what you do when you're competitive. And I want to see how Charlie Brewer handles that. I'm going to give you a freebie because there's one walk-on player that I want to watch, and that's Kyrie Rowan. He is a, uh, a scat back slash wide receiver out of Roy High School. He also happens to be the son of Emmett White, who was the uh, tremendous running back up at Utah State from 1998 to 2001. And he's a guy that I've always kind of kept a little bit of track uh, on as he's been at the University of Utah because I really enjoyed watching him in high school. I want to see how he's evolved. I've seen him a couple times in highlights and just genuinely curious about that one. Uh, And he's a kid that I've always kind of had a soft spot and rooted for just because I know how hard he's worked to get there. So there's a little freebie for you. And as long as I'm giving away free tips, I'm going to give you this tip right now. You need to go to betonline.ag and sign up for an account there because it is super duper easy and it gives you the satisfaction of having the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action so that you can have an excuse to whoever it is that runs your household, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the boss at work, whatever it is, say, hey, listen, I got to watch this. I got money riding on this thing. And that also makes it more fun, right? Like you can put being a diehard sports fan to to work in your favor and brag to everybody at the office when you hit the big one. And obviously nobody's ever going to find out about any of your losses uh, because why would we ever talk about losses? (sighs) Never do that. But the best part about bet online is they have everything available to you. We've talked about it before, all the sports, all the award shows, props, uh, updated odds, everything you can imagine there. They have you covered for all the news scores and odds. Uh, it's free to sign up. Just go to betonline.ag, uh, sign up today. It's super simple. And make sure you enter in the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's locked on, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Finishing out our third segment here on the show, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, the five defensive players that we want to watch on defense. I'll run you through Coles real quick. He mentioned Mika Tafua at defensive end, uh, Devin Kafusi at defensive tackle, Nephi Sua at linebacker, Clark Phillips the third at CB, and Devin Lloyd at linebacker. We'll see how many of those guys actually play, as Cole mentioned. If we do get to see a couple of those, it'll just be a genuine treat for fans, and I agree 100%. My top five players are a little different, obviously. I want to see Van Fillinger at number five. I want to see how he's developed technically. Has he improved using his hands? Has he adjusted to the speed of the game and the fact that the guys across from him are no longer 6'2", 240, and he can just bull rush everybody in there. Has he developed a move and a counter in his pass rush? And has he evolved to where he becomes that alpha dog on the edge again? Or you know, as he continues to evolve, will he stay at the defensive end position? 
Or will they look to move him inside a little bit? Uh, the next one on my list is Amaya Vaughn, mostly because we've heard his name so much out of Kyle Whittingham's mouth. And if he really is that athletic and that long and, and long levered at, at the defensive back position, that's a guy that we really haven't seen in, in that regards maybe since, oh, Brian Allen, you know, a 6'2", uh, 185, 190 kind of guy with his athleticism and the hips. You know, so I'm excited to see Zamaya Vaughn and really get an idea for, for how he's adjusting to that corner position. Number three is a two-parter. It's Jeremy Mercier and Andrew Mataafa. And my curiosity is I think we know pretty well who one and two is going to be at, at linebacker. It's going to be Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell. Who steps in to be number three? Who steps in to be number four? Does Mercier have a chance to play or see the field maybe playing on the edge a little bit? Uh, how has Mata'afa handled uh, the offseason in which he's always kind of needed to gain a little bit of weight? But also, I think that's been the, the primary knock on him. I think the other thing that we've really overlooked is how he's needed to improve his game and become a leader out there on the field, a la Cody Barton his senior year or Devin Lloyd last year. Uh, 2019 because we all know what's coming in this fall in, in Ethan Calvert. And there's also guys in the program. Mason Tufanga is a guy that's made a lot of uh, impressions with people up there and just, you know, in general as a player. Um, and I'm really curious to see those two and, and see where they're at in terms of their progress. Samisi Lawaki sat out last year, defensive tackle. He was a guy that I've had high on my list. I think he's going to be the next big thing at the University of Utah. I'm clearly not alone in that, but I want to see if his raw ability has translated at all into being molded by technique. And I want to see how he does when he's forced to play within the scheme. Number one on my list is Cole Bishop, the freshman safety from Georgia. And I think the big question is who's going to replace Nate Ritchie, Vontae Davis, and RG Hubert likely to man the free safety position. But will there be a strong safety, uh, you know, a modification? Will they split those two in terms of Vontae and, and RJ? Or will Cole Bishop establish himself as the starter? Or will Kamoi Latu be a guy that, that steps in and moves to that strong safety position? So one that I'm really excited and looking forward to seeing. My walk-on that I'm keeping an eye on is Elijah Shelton. He's technically a walk-on transfer from Utah State. A local kid played at prepped at Highland High School. I'm curious to see how he translates at a D1 uh, Power 5 program. So that's my list. If you want to read more about Cole's list, go to utezone.com. That article is free. You do not need a subscription for that. In fact, I'll even say this. Most of the articles that are written over at Udzone.com are free. Uh, it's just the really fun stuff that gets put behind the paywall. So go to Udzone.com. As we close things out, just a little update. The Utah baseball team dropped a tough one on the road at BYU. BYU won 7-4. to four. The season uh, now 2-1 in favor of the Utes. Um, a tough outing under some tough conditions. Uh, but the program not able to get the sweep down at uh, the school below us in terms of geographical location. Also, uh, volleyball has touched down in Omaha, Nebraska. Danny Drews continues to rack up the accolades. Uh, was named uh, all-region for the Pacific South region 
uh, player of the year again. Uh, had Sage uh, Torres and Kenzie Kerber uh, join her on the all-region team as well. The youths will look to find out who they play uh, on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, likely to be one of Pittsburgh or LIU. And be sure to tune into the, uh, I believe that one will be, I think that one's actually televised on, on something above and beyond the Pac-12 network. But we'll let you know tomorrow for sure. That's it for the Locked on Utes podcast for today. April 14th, 2021. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to follow us on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Drop those reviews on the Apple podcast platform. Send us a line, lockedonutes at gmail.com or at lockedonutes on Twitter. Got a couple of questions up that I asked. If you have your favorite pairing of Utah football players that you think would dominate an NBA jam, my vote was uh, Jaden Redding and... uh, Devin Lloyd, because we're a 3 and D duo. Um, there's a joke in there. But get those in. We'd love to talk to share them on air with us, with you all uh, going forward. So thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow here on the Locked on Utes podcast. <laughs>